I'm so excited for a real computer. Uh, I know I've defended this one for years, but uh, now that it's on the way out, I am like beyond excited. It's so good. <laughs> so you went with everything maxed out. Is there anything that you left on the on the order page without clicking? Give me everything. Uh, almost. Uh, the one thing would be storage. So I only got a terabyte of storage. I say only, but that's heaps. Um, it, it's <laughs> Ooh, twice only. of my. It's twice my current MacBook Pro. So it'll be more than enough for for mm. a few years. What was the maximum four? Are they maxing out at four? I think they do go up to four. At le- it's at least two. Uh, it could be four. I'm not sure. Hmm. I, I didn't even look at that. You know, I, d- I didn't look at upgrading the storage. But um, but yeah, 32 gigs of RAM in a 13 inch computer and a, a slightly faster processor. I mean that that was a really cheap upgrade for the processor. So it was like. Uh, it's fine. It'll it'll be good. <laughs> uh, what is really cheap? And is this how much extra did you pay for that upgrade? Three hundred. I mean, it's not small. Like it's almost ten percent of the computer. But like relative to how much I use this thing <laughs> versus the extra, like I hope that the faster compile times as a result will like give me back more than three hundred dollars worth of my time, if that makes sense, over like three years. Also, but even if not, uh, I mean, if you are, you are you happy with this? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, I, I didn't See, regret it. That's, I think that's enough. If you feel like this will make you happy and you have money to spend on it, then go for it. And I mean, it's it's better than most people would spend money on, right? It's still something you can use for productivity in your work. Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I always feel bad when I buy shiny tech, but I've never bought something that sort of hasn't paid for itself either directly or indirectly. Like, everything I've bought has just contributed hmm. to, like, a new building something new or getting a new job or, like, something like that. Like, it's all sort of helped so i probably shouldn't worry over a few hundred dollars but also realistically it's not like uh, you you don't have a lot of hobbies that are like excessively expensive that is true you're not into like yeah uh, you're not like collecting perfumes <laughs> or watches that's a weird first <laughs> first example who's collecting perfumes well i think people spend a lot of money on perfumes and i don't disagree and, with that one I'm, and shoes i want to focus on the collecting part of that <laughs> sentence not of the perfume part of that sentence <laughs> no but no but i I do think like uh, for a luxury item this is one of the more reasonable type of luxury items to buy because you can also use it for things i i'm not offending people who buy i'm not i hope i'm not offending people who are buying perfume but i just think you can use a computer for a lot more than expensive you you make a good point yes um, <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Yeah, like, uh, I see what you're saying. Um, but like, that's not to discredit people and their hobbies. But for us, tech is our hobby, right? So we like having nice things, and yeah. I'm excited to have a real computer. Thanks for drawing this weird thing into absurdity. <laughs> My point is, you're not spending a lot of money on on cars or or expensive watches, apart from Apple watches. They're which pretty damn expensive watches in, in the watch world. Not that expensive though. Um, or or super expensive designer clothing. It's like you have your one expensive hobby, and that one also is the one hobby that pays for itself. So it's you're in a pretty good you're in yep. a pretty good spot overall. Yeah, that's a good I would point. Say. Yeah. So new MacBook Pro, new third. It's it's thirteen, not fourteen inches. Which at first I was a little bit disappointed, but then I realized it doesn't actually matter too much. Like what would have, what would be different about <laughs> this if it went to fourteen inches? Probably just the screen size. Like it's not like there's new hardware probably that will go into the 14 inch i mean maybe like better microphone on speakers or something but nothing not to bat bat mouse your four thousand dollar investment but i mean oh, there, there were a few improvements that we've seen from going from 15 to 16 inch right we have the better microphone which 
I don't know if you know, but a lot of people have uh, video calls right yes, now. Yes, but also there's so, never a situation in which I'm making a video call, like in just using the inbuilt speakers and microphone. Because you have that uh, non-upgraded oh, microphone. Sure, sure. Um, or it's because I have this $100 <laughs> then, microphone that I'm talking into now that I'd rather use instead. <laughs> or the $400 AirPods. All right. So, you have a few uh, expensive hobbies. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the point. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's not unlikely that Apple will at some t- at some point in the future, within the next twelve months, do like do whatever they did from the to the fifteen yep. inch MacBook to bring it to the sixteen to apply that same formula to the to the thirteen inch, right? But realistically, considering that they did just release that update, which is fairly significant, right? New keyboard, new new CPUs. In fact, the first 10th gen Intel CPUs in that uh, form factor that anyone gets at the moment. I think Apple's the only company that has access to those. Um, and with that, the improved GPUs on those on those chips, which are pretty good. You get the new RAM, you get the faster RAM, you get like the fast SSDs. It is basically all the all the internals have been upgraded plus the plus the keyboard, which is interesting to for considering that the form factor didn't seem to change at all otherwise. Yeah, no, it's um I, I agree. It's it's a very modern computer and despite it not being fourteen inches, I think it's gonna be a good computer for many years. Yeah. So what would you do if a fo- if a fourteen inch comes out in um six months and it has a better microphone, better speaker? <laughs> I don't think that's enough to prompt me to upgrade. It's I mean realistically you know. the the upgrade would be you get an, an extra fraction of an inch, right? It's not actually like you, the the one you have right now or the one you bought is thirteen point three, it will go to like thirteen point nine or fourteen. It's like it's not even a full inch that you would get more. You probably would get a better microphone, better speakers. And you know that it's in the grand scheme of things, considering that Apple just did the upgrade or the update to the existing mm-hmm. 13-inch, the next jump will be like slightly different industrial design, but otherwise will be a fairly minor yeah, update. But there's always that next thing but around If the they corner. would have done both in one machine... There's always that next thing around the corner. Yeah, but it's also like sometimes Apple actually holds things for a very long time mm-hmm. and they do all of that in one machine, right? We could have seen a 14-inch that has the new CPUs, the new GPUs, the the faster RAM, the faster SSDs, and all the things that they put into the kind of, in, in air quotes, older case. We could have seen that all being one jump, right? New mm-hmm. industrial design and all the internals. But considering that Apple updated internals, Probably means when when the when the case changes in in the next whatever twelve months that the upgrade won't be as big as it would have been otherwise. Yep. So yep. it'll be fine. Yeah, and also I mean you you sort of you seem to be very frustrated with your current computers. I think you need one right now. Exactly. So yeah, this isn't a case of rather getting it. Now yeah, I sense. didn't want to wait another six months. Um, yeah, I mean you've been overdue for two years already. So oh yeah yeah no, but that's the problem. Like I've been waiting for. A 13-inch MacBook Pro that feels modern. Like the last time they did a refresh, I just wasn't ready to buy then and there. But then they haven't done one for so long. They haven't done a, a significant one for so long that it's just made no sense. Mm. Um, yeah, so mm. we're getting there. But it's good. Um, this is a good computer. So, or I think it will be a good computer. Mm. I don't have it yet, but yeah. Yeah, but people who do seem to seem people to familiar be with the matter. <laughs> yes, seem, fam- seem quite happy with it. But it's. The the lineup now is a bit weird. Like the 13 inch Pro. I mean, not that it hasn't been weird before, but there's a significant jump now between the two port MacBook Pro 13 inch and the four port 13 inch MacBook Pro. It's it's surprising that they all fall into the 13 inch MacBook Pro category. I'll be honest; those to most ones people, at the low end with only two ports, they're not. 
Pros. They're they're definitely more MacBook Airs. Um, hey. That's what I have now. Like, yeah. I have the two-port one from 2016, <laughs> and know, really, that was the Air of the time. They didn't have a modern Air at that time, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what it was. It had the Air-class CPU. I think it was, like, 15 instead of 30 watts. Um, it was very, it's, it's very much an Air, and they still are. Um, but they're, they're branded mm-hmm. as Pro for some reason, I guess, to... I don't know. I don't know. They want a lot cheapish Pro computer, but um, <laughs> really, it's the four ports that yeah. are Pros. And I mean... They, they- yeah, they they do. I mean, the Pro is still faster, but they're fairly close to each other. It's mostly, I think, based on thermal throttling, where the the 13-inch two-port Pro uh, is faster than the MacBook Air, um, because the MacBook Air has this really strange cooling setup, where the CPU oh, no. is not actually connected to the heatsink to the fan, which is a bit odd. So they are like, but the if new you push MacBook any Air anything on that, right? No, the new Air. That's the new Air that has that weird oh, okay. cooling setup. Where it's like it there is a like- fan and there is some some heatsink, but they're mm-hmm. not connected, so it doesn't work so well. <laughs> um, which is an interesting design choice. I would like to know why why that was made. But I think that's the biggest difference. I think if you would have MacBook Air with like better cooling, mm-hmm. you would probably get fairly close to that. But like the Pro machine seems to indicate right now, it's like you get longer sustained load while the MacBook Air is, is fine. But if you if you if you consider yourself Pro, you probably want to get a Pro, even if it's the two port one. But if you can spend the extra, it's not that much even. I think to get to the to the four port one, it's two hundred ish dollars more or so, something like that. Yeah, but then you, I think you run into like because because I know at the time like when I did. And these things haven't changed too much, but four years ago when I bought the current computer, it was a matter of do I go for the real Pro, like the one with the four ports, and uh, take a hit on storage space? I think I would have got 128 gigs of storage mm-hmm. space for the same price. Or do I get the 512 gig mm-hmm. storage space, which I really needed, but get a worse computer? And at the time, a student, I mm-hmm. didn't have the money to... It was it was literally a trade-off. I couldn't do both upgrades. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the right choice at the time, but now it's just long overdue. And this computer was only ever meant to get me through mm-hmm. uni, and it's done way more than that so um it's it's time oh man i'm so excited (laughs) Uh, it'd be nice if this time next week i don't even know if it'll be here this time next week but if it is here and we're recording that i can't hear my fans when i've got facetime and a uh, audio hijack session running at the same time because right now i can't hear my fans and it's annoying yeah yeah, those sweet new 10 nanometer CPUs should probably help with that a bit. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, um, when are you expected to get it? Uh, the delivery estimate is Monday week, so the 18th at the soonest, uh, out to the 25th. In the oh, I thought it was. I thought it was this uh, month. No, 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 no. I wish it was tomorrow. Huh. Um, but I am hopeful, mm. especially like business order. I know sometimes they push them up the queue. I'm hopeful that it may arrive by Friday. Um, I don't know. It's just hmm. a guess, but I'm hopeful. So we'll see. Uh, but probably, probably by Monday week, uh, it should be here. So I think I could have got it a couple of days earlier if I hadn't hesitated in my order. I waited until I finished work the day it came out to order. Um, but <sighs> look, I wasn't convinced. What Prioritizing work before ordering <laughs> new toys. See, you have to upgrade more often, so you're more comfortable uh, making those decisions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect. I actually didn't expect to have to make that decision last week. Like, I, I was the night. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the night they came out, it was like 
10 or 11 p.m. I was still up, which is unusually late for me. Um, and I saw that they came out and I'm like, ah, oh, that's a decision for the morning. And then I woke up and I was messaging everyone I know, like, <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? Um, and then I thought about it during the day and I went to order at lunch and then ran out of time. And then, yeah, just. And then you came up with a creative solution. Let's take yes, everything. I'll take one of everything. Next <laughs> the thing out. Who, who knew? Uh. <laughs> just put all. Uh, so, so everyone who you messaged, let's just put all of their advice together and just get this uh, like super everybody computer. said RAM. Except you two, actually. Yeah. Everybody said RAM. Do the RAM upgrade. Um, and people were a bit more See, okay. unsure about all the right. process. Okay, we, right, we gotta discuss, discuss this. I follow you on Twitter, as you do. Um, sorry for you. And I saw people commenting. And I, I get. Uh, I started reading the comments when you asked people on Twitter which computer you should get. First of all, don't ask people on Twitter which computer you should get. I think you're in a very unique scenario and you sh- you, you know best about that. Twitter, it's like 100, what is it, 180 characters. No one will be able to. <laughs> 280. 280. I value people's no one will be able to. that I know. But it's yeah. also, realistically, you're quite aware of your computing needs. It's not like you don't know what a computer is and how or how it works. You're very capable of making that decision yourself i and just think i just think people will spam you with so many answers it will be overwhelming but also realistically no one knows anything about that decision apart from you you know what you want to use this machine for and you know your financial situation of course if you ask someone hey what should i buy everyone says buy a ferrari or buy five and a tesla buy all of it <laughs> no one's gonna say you know what you should just really feed your, your family first yeah. um so First of all, that. Second of all, they don't know what you're doing with it. For all they know, all you do is watch YouTube 24 hours a day. I said in the tweet so what I'm using it for. Is, See, thinking ahead. Well, still. No one reads the tweet. <laughs> a Zach computer is a Zach decision. Uh, look, it's going to be yeah. pretty sweet um, to anyways. export the podcast on. I'm excited for that. Like, I can just, you know, usually when I when I finish editing a podcast, I'll leave my laptop for a few minutes while it exports. But I have a feeling this is going to be done in, like, 20 seconds, so. No, no it's still, still like, I don't know. Like, the logic export, uh, I don't think of any... How long any, does it take on your computer, Ken? It feels like forever. <laughs> I know what it does. So it doesn't seem to do anything fast. Okay. I'd say it's about two minutes on this one. Um, Probably the same here. I don't think there's any... Uh, okay, so maybe they're not doing anything with no, cores. I don't know what they're doing. They're just calculating Anyways, the time Anyways, let's get back to the decision-making. Think here. about how fast Xcode's going to compile. Uh, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's that one. That's that one true. I give you. All right. Should we move on from Zach's MacBook? Yeah, yeah. we're not going to keep or on. Or is there anything else that you're... Like, I mean, one thing is butterfly keyboards yeah, are dead. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the, from the uh, keyboard for the MacBook, the keyboard folio or whatever it's called, I think that's the last keyboard that still has butterfly keys. Hmm. So that's, yeah, that's, that's that's just a fact. That's yeah. something. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I've never had I've never had we sorry no, I've never had a problem with the um, butterfly keyboard. But I am glad to have this updated keyboard. I've used a 16 inch MacBook Pro for uh, one of my contracts, and it's a good computer. Um, I like the keyboard a lot. It's very comfortable to type on. So I'm excited for the keyboard on this one. I'm excited. F- I like the physical escape key on the 16 inch. So I'm happy to have that back. Um, mm-hmm. and I am also excited, excited for the touch bar. I am one of the weird people who likes the touch bar. I find it convenient. But okay. Do you like the touch bar or do you like touch? ID? No, no. It, it's not just touch ID. I do like, I love touch okay. ID. Don't get me wrong, but I would take the, because uh, I know on the MacBook Air, they have no touch bar, but they have touch ID. I would not take mm-hmm. that solution yeah, if given yeah, the yeah. option. Um, I genuinely like... Even if it was like $300 less, would you go with just the like the key, the actual keys and the... <laughs> How many dollars yeah. do you like See, this? See, this is a hard one because <laughs> Apple don't actually do this. They're, they distinguish touch bar not by private. Of course not. But but Mullen's fantasy <laughs> MacBook $300 does. $300 so. for a touch... Look... 
I would probably go with it and I could swing the okay. justification okay. by I need to develop for it even though you can develop in the simulator <laughs> um I do I am working on a Mac app and I do want to build in touch bar support mm. so it'll be handy for that um but I I genuinely See, like I would it. pay $300 to get rid of the touch bar interesting <laughs> interesting um like, no without, I'm, I'm very much a fan hesitation I would like keys I take them <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, sorry, I just want to get back to you on Twitter. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, sure, sure. So I noticed that many people gave you the suggestion that you should upgrade your RAM because it will keep, it will allow you to compute, to keep the computer for another five years. Future proofing computers is always a great idea. What is this? What is going to happen? Like, wh- why do we need so much RAM in the future? Am I missing something? <laughs> Honestly, am I being silly for not I, I think thinking it's more that I need about that being much RAM? prepared for what the future might be? <laughs> you don't know what you're prepared for. No, no you're right. You know, you're right. All apps are going to be electron apps, and you need to run fifty at the same time, maybe. And unfortunately, that's sort of where it looks like we're going. But when so in then, the history yeah. of macOS have you ever needed less RAM as time progresses? It's yeah, just... but then 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 you need more of everything, though. Then you should spec yes. up. Then the argument is spec up everything, not that's spec a good up point. your and RAM. And buy a lot of toilet paper right now, just in case. <laughs> and and canned food, only canned food, because you never know what happens. Well, I mean, look, I. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a good question. But I think even even with um, a lot of RAM now, it'll be nice to just be able to keep a million Xcode workspaces open yeah. and yeah, no, not no, worry about great. closing like, terminal windows and like yeah, the little think, things on my computer. Uh, that, that, and I think that's where it comes back to like your use case. Like for you, you use it for a lot of Xcode builds and you're running, like you might want to run multiple simulators at the same time. So for you, it makes sense, but that's not about future proofing it. And I just want, like, I'm actually honestly curious why everyone says buy extra RAM because it will keep you, it will allow you to keep it for five more years. I, 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 I was just struggling seeing the argument that I maybe. Think, I think the realistic argument around RAM is, is this your primary machine? If it is, get the extra RAM because mm. a for me my computer is not my, my my laptop my MacBook is not my primary computer so I usually only have the things running that I use my iMac is my primary machine and there I have a there lot you of have RAM a, a, as much RAM as you can you can get right yeah so but and but that's a machine where currently while we're recording this I have Xcode open I have the Xcode beta open mm. I have like I, I skip over like thirty Fifty percent of the dock. Then I also have Logic open for some reason. I don't know. I might need it at some point, mm. but it doesn't matter. I have like a whole bunch of database mm. tools open. I have the and app we're the, working on yeah. open in the production configuration and the debug configuration. FaceTime, audio hijack, loopback, PHP Storm because I was working on some PHP stuff as well. Yeah. Native Connect databases. It's like, it's like my I machine would, that is always yeah. that always has like a. Everything. ton of things running at all times yeah. because it's a primary computer. And I would love to do that and that's exactly <laughs> why I would buy a, a computer with a lot of RAM because I use it today like I know I would like to keep those open but just before recording I close Xcode, I close all the design tools like I close all the database tools and I feel like I need to do that but I agree Like I think you should just see it as this will be your main computer so for you it makes sense to spec it up and to, like, to the extent that you your- need it. 
keep tabs open that you do use within even if it's within a week i just really like being able to quickly tap over to to like uh, the database tool even though i'm not using it constantly mm -hmm. it's just nice that it's there and why wouldn't it be there it's my my workspace where yeah. that is it's a bit like work. it's a bit like every time you're done having dinner you pack your dinner dinner table away mm -hmm. or every yeah. time you're done sleeping you fold your bed or like wash the dishes <laughs> yeah no my, like my thought process behind this was i want a computer that's going to help me be as productive as I can. And yeah. like, I'm, I'm doing a lot of dev work at the moment, as you know, and that's probably likely to continue for a bit longer. And <laughs> I it's like, so. I yeah. want, <laughs> no, but like, you know, just outside of the normal nine to five as well. It's like, there's a lot going mm -hmm. on. Isolation helps, got a lot of time. Um, so I kind of just want something that gets out of the way. And one of the things like, it's like upgrading my phone this year, right? I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with the form factor, but the actual phone, I've never once stopped to think about, oh, it's, I'm running out of storage. Or, oh, it's a little bit slow when opening that up. Like I've never had to mm -hmm. think about that since upgrading my phone. And just that little nicety of like when the tech gets out of your way and you can do what you need to do. And obviously on a phone, it's less of a concern because usually when I'm using my phone, it's not always for work. Like it is sometimes, but it's, you know, often just checking Twitter or sending a message or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's a bit slow. But when I'm working, it's like, I don't want to have to think twice about, oh, do I really need to open that not extra terminal window? It's going to slow down my mm. computer a little bit more. And I'm kind of at the point with this computer where, like you said, Marlon, I keep open what I need and mm. close things when I don't need them. And it's definitely had its day. Um, so, yeah. I'm excited. It's like the manual <laughs> reference count. You're like keeping track yeah. of the windows yeah. so you can close them when, when you think you need Honestly, more memory yeah. for something and, else. And maybe and I'm overcompensating yeah. because this computer was um, a base model. But it is mm. what it is. And yeah. yeah, I'm excited. So, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I know it's like, it's, it's not that much time you save in, but it's still a bit of work to always have to like reopen everything when you want to go back to work or close everything when you want to start a podcast. Just being able to have everything open is good. And I think like that should be your justification. And I think this seems like a great computer for you. I, like, I, I would go with an iMac, but I think you want a laptop. So this is perfect for you. And yeah, if we no. all move to ARM next year, then that's you literally, this is your, your, that's how you earn all your money. So if you need an ARM Mac next year, well, didn't plan for that, but then you'll probably buy one because that's just what, what we got to do. And that's okay. And it's fun. <laughs> you know, honestly, it, it yes. Wouldn't... Like, yes, it's a stupid position to be in. But yes, if I needed an, an arm Mac for work, if I had a client that required that, it's sure. It's not though. It's like if you're, if you would work in trades, you probably would have some kind of truck. It, and a truck is way more expensive than a MacBook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right now, I assume, I don't actually know, but I assume you don't have a truck. <laughs> No, and that's, no, you know, it's it's like it's it's like everyone has that in their life. Like usually, when people work with stuff, they have some kind of more expensive than average utility to to get that done. And we yep, just yep. aligned our hobbies and our profession and work all into kind of one one kind of group, at least yep. one of our hobbies, and that allows us to feel really good about it and use it during work and also enjoyed outside of work and just you know it's just to just because you make good decisions to to have all those strings pulling in the same direction that's not a thing to be, feel bad about no, that right. just like, means you made a lot of good decisions to get to this <laughs> point <laughs> but you make a good point like we we all run businesses and relative to a lot of businesses where there's manual labor involved our costs mm -hmm. are low like we could probably mm. all buy Mac Pros and the percentage of what we spend on tooling is still less than most yeah. tradespeople. Um, yeah. So realistically for a, I think it was $900 to upgrade the RAM and the, the CPU. It's like, 
in the grand scheme of the amount of work I'm going to do with this thing, $900 is not a lot yeah. and I'm going to be more productive. So, yeah. it, it's probably a no-brainer. I'm probably thinking about it way too much. There are also other workflows <laughs> where even software, where software license is more than 900 a yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. that's like even people that use computers, but for, for slightly like we're, we're in a situation, Xcode is free. I yeah. mean, we do pay for our Apple developer yeah. license, but it's 150 bucks. That, it's not much. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like Xcode you pay a subscription yeah. for just in a roundabout way. But sure. like, you know, there, there are some people that pay $10,000 for the Adobe suite for their, yeah. for their business. You know, and we're we're not that. So yeah, we actually don't need any subscription software. I mean, we we all use subscription software to be more productive, mm -hmm. but we could do our jobs entirely on quote unquote free software, mm -hmm. um, which is a very fortunate position to be in. And so, yeah, look, it's a tool. It's aiding productivity. I don't feel bad about the purchase, but I still feel a little bit uneasy about spending a lot of money in one go because it's just nah, natural fine. human reaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, you'll get a lot of enjoyment. Oh out no, of that I, I, no, and doubt. a lot of <laughs> a lot of minutes saved in your in your build times. So oh god, I can't. I was complaining to you about that the other day. We don't need to go into yeah. it, but it's embarrassing <laughs> how slow this one can be sometimes. All yeah. right, cool. All right, and um, that concludes the Zach bought a new computer finally after finally. What, what was the previous one? Twenty sixteen. Twenty six. It's been almost four years. It's like three and a half years. Um, which, but, and, and for some context, like when I bought this thing, I had never worked a day as a professional iOS dev in my life. Like mm. that was the, the context in which I bought this computer. I didn't, yeah. Mm. Um, it's not ever meant to do professional work on, but it kind of just happened. And mm. here we are four years later, it's finally being replaced as it needed to mm. be probably three and a half years ago. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. All right. Did you see the Facebook SDK? Okay, crushing all the apps. Oh, yes. This is horrible. This is really, <laughs> really bad. And um, I, I found it funny. It kind of turned into like this third-party dependency uh, wave of doom because of all the crashes. Uh, Crashlytics actually went down because they were overwhelmed <laughs> with all the crash reports. And it took them, I think, 48 hours to, to recover from that. Oh, which yeah, is that's crazy, bad. right? Yeah. You would think, I mean, it was probably now thinking about it, one of the largest denial of distributed denial of service attacks in, in history, right? How many million devices would have per consistently tried to hit crash lytics due to this Facebook bug at the same time? And it's like literally like the most distributed you can imagine, right? Mm -hmm. It's like there are iOS devices all over the world uh, connected to different networks and different configurations trying to hit that API every time they people open the app. And probably when your app crashes on launch, what's the first thing you do? You tap it again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably, I mean, if, if you would, you couldn't plan something better if you would want to try to bring Crashlytics down mm. for 48 hours. Yeah. No, What are you saying? Bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of wonder how Apple's crash reporting handled it. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was interesting. I mean, I, th there are multiple areas to that, right? Mm -hmm. Some people were surprised that Facebook does stuff without you calling into the SDK, which is just... I am as shocked. A I would never in a million <laughs> years have guessed that. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it's probably good PSA anyway. Like all of those, like Firebase, the same thing. There's a little whole bunch of stuff. If Every time your view controller does a view... Uh, did appear 
they also do something. It's like they they, they inject whenever you include their yeah. binary into their or their SDK into your framework. They do something at load and yeah. I don't think it's an uncommon thing in in, in any ways, and I come across frameworks that do this, and I think. It's something that is a very valuable lesson, both for developers. I mean, you can turn it off to be fair, but you have it's it's. But you have to be aware of it being a thing. Um, But I think it's something that could set, wasn't there? To yeah, to yeah, yeah. That, yeah, but you have to set it to false. Yeah, it, it's not. If you're not default. setting it, it will do sure. this. Yeah, and I think this is a very valuable lesson for everyone having anything to do with software. Um, I just think it's it's very important to know. I, I think it's quite. I, I, we spoke about this this a bit before the show that it's quite common to just import the libraries or import the SDKs that you usually import, or there might be different teams in a company that want different type of libraries to be in the app. And I think it's important for people to be aware that's ac- of what's actually what, what the actual side effects can be of importing random code into your app that you have no idea what it's doing you have to try to become as aware as possible of what those SDKs are doing um, and that's oh, hard you, uh, yeah. you know a lot of them are closed source even if you would have all the resources to see what they're actually doing yeah yeah, yeah. but I think you have to be aware that there might be side effects mm. and I think this has been a very valuable lesson and I think people I mean, might it won't actually change anything because people are like, oh, but social login, man. Gotta it's do not only login. for social login, though. And I think for my some... marketing campaign, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think some people want it for marketing campaigns or share buttons. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think you just... I think many people will still go with it, but I think it's important for teams to think about whether or not it's worth it. And if you can, you know, in general, good advice, if you can avoid adding third-party dependencies. Yeah. Because that they're, they're they're exactly that they're dependencies on third parties. Yeah. And if you want that in your life, then go for it. If you want to minimize that, uh, then go for that. Yeah. And I think it's important to be aware of the mm. of the limitations of it, and to if if someone on your team doesn't know what can happen if you import third party libraries, I think it's important to let them know, even if it's not the developer, even if it's a marketing team that wants this. I think it's important to let them know what the side effects potentially could be. And realistically, this is. The best case scenario, almost, because it happened to almost everyone, right? Mm-hmm. What is way worse is if you, the Facebook SDK only crushes your app, and you don't quite know what they're swizzling to to make that crash yeah. happen. And now you file a report and they're like, oh, "Good, reproduce, bye bye." Yeah, like, we don't care oh, about your what? app with ten thousand. Yeah, users. it's like, uh, but I have like a thousand users. Facebook's like, how many zeros did you forget? Like none, it's a thousand. You're like, okay, bye bye. <laughs> you know, it's like that is that is actually when it's getting bad. Like we we had that in um, one of the jobs we worked together at with Firebase causing some crashes. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think Firebase was actually a hundred percent of the crashes for for the first month mm-hmm. or so after launch. It didn't happen to all users though, so it no, was less no. severe. It was less severe, but it was like the only crash we had in our app for the first months or so mm-hmm. was Firebase. Yeah, and we raised a ticket and we're like, don't know, and that's it. Yeah, N- yeah, no one ever cared, and that was yeah. that's way worse than like Facebook taking down the entire world because they're like, oh, maybe we should change. I mean, depending on what, uh, but for 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 those apps, they're like, all right, we we should probably fix that very very soon. Um, but that's actually, despite it bringing everyone down, is actually best case scenario as far as your app crash being fixed as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we've all been in those positions where we've been asked to add a library and we lose the fight and, or or it's just too valuable for the business. And I totally understand that that's a thing that happens. But I think if in cases in the future, maybe 
a client is on the fence about whether they really need mm. something or somebody is on the fence about which of the two SDKs to use for tracking or whatever it might be, this might be a good example case we can point to <laughs> and say, hey, that Facebook one's pretty dodgy. Or even just in general, like if you're having that discussion about do we need to add this dependency mm. or not, hey, just be aware that these closed source dependencies can do, I mean, open source can as well, but these closed mm. source dependencies where we have literally no insight into what's going on can cause crashes in our app. Mm. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I, I But it's know. also just, um, I think often when you're forced to use a dependency by the air quotes business, um, it's people making decisions that do not actually understand what those decisions entail and they're just seeing like their their marketing campaign not working because you, the stupid developer decided not to include a dependency right so often it's just being able to point at something like this is at least a good way of explaining like this is something that could happen it's not my, mm -hmm. the only point it's not the only reason we should do a certain thing but it's like those are the type of issues that you cannot foresee necessarily yeah but that could occur as a result of those yeah and it's good to have those like at hand when you when you're engaging in those kind of fun discussions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, fun discussions. And I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think those uh, it's valuable because, quote unquote, the business might not be aware of those things, and for them it might not be worth it either. I think in some situations they would be happy to say, yeah, let's let's not use the Facebook SDK if that could cause us problems because realistically we don't really need it. Like maybe it was just, I think some people might be concerned about picking that fight, but I think it's not about picking a fight. It's about informing other people who might not be aware of those side effects of what's actually, what potentially could go, could 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 be an outcome of, of those decisions. And I think sometimes they might just make that decision because that's what they heard. Like they might not know if it's necessary and they think, well... We be better safe than sorry. Let's rather include it if that's what Facebook recommends us to do for our marketing campaign to work. Uh, but it might not be married to that decision. So it's worth bringing those things up as uh, potential counter arguments. And I don't want to pick in on Facebook in particular. I mean, sure, pick on Facebook all you want. Um, <laughs> and I do it all the time. But it's like, in, in general, it is it is like conceptually just a thing you have to decide. Mm -hmm. And I think having examples of of why or why not you want to do a thing is is valuable. And I think realistically, for probably a non-insignificant amount of people that did include like Facebook's SDK in particular, it is still the right decision to continue to include it, right? Because they need it for certain things they're doing. Like if you run your marketing campaigns on Facebook and you want to get like your install accounts and those kind of things. That's a then, point I was just about to make, that it, there are very genuine use cases for the Facebook mm, SDK. But I think it's something yeah. that any business that you're working for should be aware of the potential downsides of also having. Mm -hmm. As long as they're aware, yeah. I don't think there's a problem with including yeah. it if that's what they really want. Yeah. And if you have something like, I don't know, you probably wouldn't want like right now in our period, right? Your COVID contact tracing and exposure notification um, app, you probably wouldn't want the Facebook SDK to be in there for people to use social sign in, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't really know if I want Facebook to have access. Because realistically, if you add a dependency into your binary, then they can do whatever they want and you don't necessarily know what it is they do, right? In theory, mm -hmm. a third party dependent like library that is closed source could just also relay every single api request you're making to their own server because you know they're they're already in your app um it's a bit like if you invite people into your home and then you're upset that they they looked around without asking for explicit permission to look around it's like that's just a thing if you invite someone into your house they're in your house mm -hmm. it's it's really hard to then tell them but don't look at the things you shouldn't <laughs> 
you know, it's yeah. if they're all in, in, in plain sight at that point. <laughs> That's the thing. I um, deliberately make the choice to not use certain apps based on framework. I, I know I know this is not a realistic thing for everyone else to care about, but I yeah. there are certain there are certain apps I want to use that I don't and I, I pick a competitor because I know that the competitor mm-hmm. has no third party code. And mm-hmm. A big one, and I think we've all heard this example used before, is a lot of weather apps get contacted because all, mm-hmm, almost mm-hmm, all weather mm-hmm. apps need location yeah. permission. And a lot of weather apps get contacted by shady uh, third-party SDKs saying, hey, we'll pay you X thousands of dollars to include our framework in your app. And because the weather app has been given permission, location permission mm-hmm. by the user, mm-hmm. that SDK also has location permission and can be part of some like mass tracking thing and sold off to mm-hmm. advertisers. And so I think I think I I do my best for apps that need any of those kind of permissions to not use ones to use ones generally by indie developers because who are open about um, what they include in their apps and I make that same mm-hmm. choice with a lot of health apps um, where I either know the devs or know of the devs and I know that they stand by their no third party SDK framework. Um, and I mean, policy. you would think people would have learned that since when was it 500 BC with a Trojan horse, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently people still <laughs> have to relearn that same lesson over and over. <laughs> I also wonder, like, considering all of that, we I think we predicted that last year that Apple might get us to a point where, because realistically, Apple could enforce some of those things to be more visible to a user mm-hmm. or even um controllable by the user like yeah, yeah. we already have an analytics switch right and we talked about that last year as one of our data predictions that didn't get any mention at all mm-hmm. that apple might uh, enforce the the global switch for analytics also on other analytics frameworks that are third-party frameworks um and i wonder if 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 we might finally see that this year um because, I mean, none of those issues have been resolved. If anything, there's more and more analytics events and more and more analytics frameworks in, in all the apps in the App Store. Apple can see at review time, definitely, um, which which frameworks you embed in your app. So there could be some kind of way of enforcing, at least forcing those to, to obey to the user's switch. Because it is impossible for a user... like. I mean, Zach said he he cares about that, but realistically, mm-hmm. most people, even if they would care, they wouldn't even know how to how to find out mm-hmm. wh- what's going on because it's it's designed to be invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's you you shouldn't those frameworks wouldn't do what they're doing if you would get a would visibly see all the information they pump into into their servers from you just using a random other app mm-hmm. all the time, right? So I wonder if Apple, I, I'm, and I'm sure Apple as a company that's very privacy focused, at some point they will tackle that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that this year might be the one where where at least some steps in that direction will be made. Mm-hmm. Just thinking out loud, do you think uh, Swift packages would give them more visibility into third-party frameworks and the requirements that they have because i know they already do before you upload to the store they already do like binary scans and they highlight mm-hmm. the, the pods or the frameworks or the packages you mm-hmm. might have so there's already some visibility that they have into what you're including but i don't know maybe maybe we get to a point where um they can use swift packages as a way of more closely monitoring and like packages specifically can request permission or make it clear what permissions they need. I- I'm just thinking out loud. Um, mm. And 
and and it can be sort of pitched from the the perspective of you as a developer when you include these frameworks mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. what they want less so about you don't need to pitch it from a user's perspective to begin with at least but more like hey you need to pull in this uh, analytics framework that's cool we know you need analytics but here's a list where of of all of the permissions that this swift package requires i don't know i'm just spitballing mm-hmm. here but that's just something that came to mind i mean there would be a significant build system changes that would be required for that right for are we expecting um, that anyway yeah but i mean in general i i I, it's it's hard on the spot to think about all the uh, implication of 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 that but in general it would be kind of interesting to have to restrict frameworks what they're allowed to have Mm -hmm. so you as the developer can decide yeah is your framework allowed to get location permission Mm -hmm. for example like just because it's in your app and your app has location permission doesn't mean that it will um, that should cascade into all the frameworks, right? So maybe maybe the frameworks at least need to expose that, mm-hmm. and Apple will enforce those restrictions because at the moment, whether apps are such a good candidate because they have legitimate reasons to ask for for permissions, mm-hmm. and Apple allows them as a result of that. Mm-hmm. The app, if the app would only be that framework that tries to collect your user's information and sell it for for advertising purposes, that app would be rejected. But yeah. because a weather app has a legitimate reason to ask for for permission, that's why they use that as mm-hmm. their as their carrier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, Trojan horse. Um, so if so many horses. <laughs> so if they um, if they would have to expose that, and Apple could then enforce it on on a framework level, or or at least surface it mm-hmm. as a as a step in between, that could be interesting. Mm. Anyway, I hope I hope there's a, there's some kind of steps in that direction because it is it is impossible. Like, not everyone will care. Some people will, and making it hmm. at least visible. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a I think big fan that of, would be that would be a great first start. Maybe not. They might not obey to like the um, the analytics toggle, but at least but there might be a way should. to display. You know, maybe maybe that's yeah, that's that, something they need yeah. to. But it could also just be a potential way to display this app is using these type of frameworks. Uh, yeah. And then maybe you could even have like a certain a, pl- a place in the settings in the iOS settings app where you decide which analytics frame or which frameworks are allowed yeah. to get the data. It's tricky, right? Because then again, it but is, in general, it, it's I, I do of- like people getting the information if they want it and then mm-hmm. making their decisions rather than it being very, I mean, realistically, very, very extremely well hidden within an app. Mm-hmm. And even if you would want to make a decision, it's it's almost impossible to do so. Mm-hmm. It is funny how. The public discussion in Australia recently around the COVID Safe app, which we spoke out last week, has been around privacy and security a lot. Where, mm-hmm. um, but like third party apps that people use are not scrutinized anywhere near as much. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that we focus on all of the time for any apps that we use, but mm-hmm. the public seems to care a lot more when the government has their hands in it than mm-hmm. when dodgy mm-hmm. third party weather framework, um, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. involved. I think. But- but I think that's also because people don't know that the Dodge's third party weather app has, yes. has those type of permissions. You're I think right. if, if people would be aware of how much, how many frameworks there are that might be doing things that you're not aware of, people would probably be a lot more, like, I don't know. I think people would think a lot more before they install an app just like that and think, think before they actually allow permissions to but something. I, I mean, also to be fair, a government has a lot bigger of an impact on your life than Facebook does. 
you know, I, I can also mm. see that some people are like, you know what, if the government has all my information, who knows what they will do to my uh, to my taxes or my health insurance or whatever. Well, if Facebook has all the data, it's like, mm, what am I going to do? Give me even worse ads, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, think that's the, true. I understand it's why more you're more worried is. about the, the government of the country you're living in. They definitely have a larger impact yeah. on, on your daily life than, than Facebook does. doesn't mean people wouldn't care at all, but I definitely see why you would care more about the government. And depending on how much you trust your government at, and the given government you're having at the moment uh, probably also has some some kind of impact on that. I definitely would expect if you were in a government formed of people you trust a lot and actually think they only have the best intent of the uh, population in mind, you're probably also a bit more lenient than one that you think is a bit uh, strange in the first place. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so it's all happening. They released the source code for that app this week, actually. Um, Friday yeah, night. Yeah. And um, there's only three pods, speaking of frameworks. <laughs> they use Alamifier, Keychain Swift, and Lottie. Oh. And Lottie's great. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I've seen about that app was people noticing that they have an enum that does not include Tasmania. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. But the, apparently, the enum of all the states. So, yeah. Wait, is that because people don't use it in Tasmania or are they not? No, no, no. It's just an enum that's declared but never used in the app. Oh, okay. okay. I have a feeling that it's just being copied from an existing government project. And because it, it's never <laughs> used in COVID safe, but. Um, there was a bit of so I did I did go through it and there was a bit of code um, that looked like some of the headers weren't updated with the copyright and mm-hmm. um, it seems like there's a lot of code or a bit of code at least that's come across from other projects and uh, existing government things but all in all um, I because I did crawl through the code a little bit um, it looks fine like there's nothing super dodgy going on they're not doing any weird background hacks as far as I can tell to try and extend background life on ios uh, which obviously means that the app is ineffective but they're not pulling mm. in any weird tricks um <laughs> as far as i can tell um, yeah there's a few weird so things a largely useless app but not a yes they one. use the, a useless app but not think, um yeah. not terrible code or anything mm. Mm. but i think one of the core things that people have been criticizing is the fact that they are still storing things off the device is, is that still the, that, yeah. I, I saw a person looking into the source code or mm. some of the code for Android yep. um, as much as you could see before the code was released at least mm. and it seemed like that was still a thing um, did you see that as well in the iOS code um, yeah it won't that won't change until they adopt the Apple yeah. Google uh, so have they so. said anything about um, using the it's not called contact tracing what is it called? Ah, oh, the new Exposure name. notification. Exposure notification. Yeah, yes, apparently it's coming. There was another statement earlier this week that it's coming. So um, Listen, I'll be interested look at to that. see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bit of public mm. pressure. It's good. Um, mm. <laughs> it, it renders the existing app essentially useless. They actually turned on the servers <laughs> for it last night. So it was revealed uh, about twelve hours after we wrapped up recording last week that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the app had been in production for a week, it wasn't actually doing anything with the data it collected. The the backend services hadn't been turned on for it, and that changed on Friday night, so two nights ago. Um, and Do now you they're know collecting why data. the servers weren't on? Was it like a, they were just not done with the backend? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But basically, it was a week's worth of data that was useless. Just speculating now. Uh, what if it feels a bit like they wanted people to get used to using the app? 
even if the backend wasn't ready yet, like it's, and then once the backend is ready, they can start actually doing something with the data. But if you release it early, people will at least sort of get into the habit of using it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't know. It's another way to erode trust, isn't it? Like, use this thing. It's great. It's going to let us open the pubs and let you go back to the footy, but mm. uh, it's not working. Sorry. And it doesn't yeah, work if you have an iPhone still. So. Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. is what it is. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it needed uh, public pressure that they're using the APIs that actually make the thing work. But at least they got there in the end. I guess mm. that's the, the. I mean, it's not not big credit, but at least some credit. Um, other thing is, you know, if if it's in general, it is a good as a, as society or multiple societies around the world. It's probably a good tool to have in our tool chain now for for future things like, like future not, pandemics future pandemics or or outbreaks of any kind mm-hmm. right like they're like if something like ebola or or the spanish yeah. flu would hit us it is now at least we have software that can help with reducing the deaths that will cause you know mm-hmm. i think in general it's a good tool to have in our in our uh, tool belts as as humanity that we that we have that right yeah. and it's good to use that now and it's a good thing to have for future because realistically over the rest of the lifetime of humanity this is not the last pandemic it's unlikely <laughs> and considering that it's very very likely that we'll see another pandemic within the lifetime of the human race it is kind of crazy that we didn't have a tool <laughs> and that we needed to yeah. to get into a pandemic to then start building it mm-hmm. but also given um, but that the last one was a hundred years ago i mean think about how like this covid safe well, app is gonna I mean, be it- irrelevant by the time the next one comes yeah yeah but there were still other things that were I starting hope, to i threaten. hope that we don't have another one where this app is still relevant like i hope it's not that soon. <laughs> but there were still things that were starting to threaten society earlier yeah. like uh, in and between I mean, 100 years ago and now, like Ebola mm, could have been a true, bigger true. outbreak. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they, they, they were big, just not where we live. Yeah. You know, yes, those kind of tools would have probably been able to save a lot of people in, in other countries, which should still be deployed there, right? It's like there are like localized outbreaks that have been stopped. But having more technology to assist the stopping of those is good for everyone, no matter where the, where the first case is, right? doesn't matter if the first case is in LA, in Wuhan, or, or in, in South Africa, or in Sweden. It doesn't matter. Like, if, if we see something happening locally, using this as a, as a tool to, to not, not as the only tool, not as the, the you know, yep. shouldn't be the thing that we're now applying to everything. But if we see something like this, it's good to have a tool like this to then mm. also have assisting people that would try to prevent yeah. outbreak yeah. in the first place. Yeah, and you could start using it early on, right? If mm. you start to see something that could potentially become a pandemic, like if you would see something in a, in a region, in a certain country, then you would be able to start using those type of tools and then see, does it spread as quickly as we expect or does it mm. not spread at all? And then, I mean, like you, you shouldn't probably not overuse it and use it all the time but like when there is some risk towards the society that could spread further if you're in doubt like it might be useful for that but I, now- I think many people wouldn't want this to be something turned on all the time but i think it's definitely a good tool to have available yeah but especially considering that we now landed at a at a tool that's actually very much privacy protecting 
it's it's also a tool that we can feel fairly confident to deploy if mm. needed, right? It's it's better to have something that we now think will work and is deployable and is still pr preserving privacy hmm. rather than if we had some kind of hack together garbage permission that apple was forced into yeah. giving everyone and now now yeah. governments use it to to figure out who's uh trying to unionize <laughs> so how would you feel if um this would be a common use case to prevent common calls colds like someone starts having a cold or has a cold symptom um, should this be something that's, uh, do, do you guys think this, it would be worthwhile using an app like this for eliminating the common cold? No. No? No. It's overkill. It's overkill. <laughs> what do you no. think, Kai? I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not making my decision on this yet, <laughs> but I hate colds. I hate just being sick or feeling slightly out of it. Like, but, but it's not going to stop, it do... doesn't stop you getting the cold, it just stops the spread of the cold. But like, I get, yeah. then you're less likely but to get it. Which stops me like, from getting the cold. But like, what right? are you going to do? Like, you get a notification that somebody has had a cold and they sat next to you on the train, or you don't even know when it was, but like, let's say they sat next to you on the train. The chance of you picking that up is a lot less than the chance of you picking up coronavirus if they had it. Like, yeah. are you going to stay home for three, I mean, doesn't matter if you work from home, but if you don't work from home, you're going to take three days off and hope that the cold doesn't show itself in you. Like no, but if you have the option in your workplace to work from home, you could be cautious and be Look, like, if we if we had something, it's like you hundred uh, percent um, got you're currently asymptomatous with a cold. Mm -hmm. Then I think if we get to if we would have a system like that, it's like you sit next to someone on a train who had a cold, you will get it in two days. Yeah. You're contagious for four if, days. Yeah. yeah stay home for four days, I would, I'd be on board with that. But as Zach said... The, the, okay, so you think it needs to be a guarantee that you will get the cold? It's just... Uh, common cold is not super contagious, all things considering. And the probability of you being close to someone with a cold is fairly high, considering how low the probability of you then actually catching it and then spreading it further. Yeah. And just think about um, an office in winter, how many people are sniffing at any given time. Like, you're going to get that notification well, that, all, right, all no, the time. No, you don't see, get that's... On that. if, you, if you have a cold, don't come to work. That but that's not... Baseline. I mean, this year it will change, but that's not until now how things have been. People power but through. It should but it should be. No, I, it I should agree. Be. If I you're agree, in a place, not... unless you're like... Unless you need like a laboratory, I mean, you could most pe I mean, most places we work that you could work from home, mm -hmm. stay home. Like yeah. it's 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 not nice to everyone Considering around. Considering how yeah. ridiculous the the interview process is in our industry, asking someone if you're sick, what do you do? Stay at home, go to work, and make everyone else sick. Just get that. Just slide a question in there somewhere between <laughs> your 12 million steps of whiteboarding. And if that person says, you know what, if I have a cold or flu, I'll come to work, then just, just cancel the interview right there. <laughs> I think that should in general be uh, a good approach to, to interviewing yes. and probably way more important than if they can uh, traverse a binary search tree uh, for then fixing all the layout issues. So, yeah, think about uh, the lost productivity every time someone gets sick. You can yeah, always learn yeah, binary yeah, search. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, it's not. Um, no, I agree. And I think no, this winter is going to be very different, um, particularly here going yeah. into winter. As people get the cold, they're going to they're gonna be more inclined to stay home. Uh, everyone's proven mm. they can work from home, so it's not a concern as much. Um, mm. And it keeps everyone safe. I, you know, hopefully yeah. common yeah. cold cases and the flu especially is down as well this year. Um, mm. It'd be nice yeah. to see. No, no, like I'm not saying that this app should be used for something like that because I agree with you guys. Like it's probably not, it's not guaranteed enough and I think I could as well look at the people around me and see if someone has a cold and make a decision whether or not I will get a cold like it's probably as likely um, but I just think people should stay home 
if they're if they're having any if they can if, if they, they can. can and yeah. there's no like at that point what what are you doing you're not you're not a hero <laughs> just stay home yeah. if you're especially if you can work from home and you have a cold stay home yeah and i think that's been great like we have learned that it is not impossible to work from home so I think that's i mean <laughs> we it, also it, kind of knew that before but, but some yeah, people yeah, can't work from home always worth remembering mm. and often yeah, the case people exactly. who can't work from home may be more likely to need the money and may be less likely to have things like sick days so there's yeah yeah a, I agree. I mean, in our but industry many places we case, have worked but, on yeah. are not those type of like no, no, in no, a software right. development yeah. company 100%. it's not very common most people have a place at home where they could yeah. work it. and i totally understand like if, if you if you barely like if, if you need to go to work and you don't especially in the u.s i think you don't have the same like then you don't have the same type of luxury of being able to just be home when you're having a like a runny nose you have to make your living but i think we're just in the fortunate situation where as long as we have Wi-Fi somewhere, we can work there. Uh, yeah, no, good so point. Yeah, but if, if, you're, if you're making six figures or more uh, writing A-B tests and you, you have a flu, just figure out how to stay at exactly. home until death. You can afford over. a day off, even if you don't have sick days. <laughs> but you, realistically, you also do. I mean, again, similar to your MacBook, people should make decisions that are uh, fitting their circumstances. If you starve from not going to work, probably should go to work with a sniffy nose <laughs> yes. if your company's saying you know what work from home whenever the hell you want and you have a sniffy work sniffy nose probably use that day to, <laughs> to work from home um but yeah people should make decisions that are reasonable based on their circumstances Absolutely. aren't we insightful <laughs> <laughs> all right uh wwdc cool. 2020 yeah. we got more information this week yay we didn't get yeah. much information but we got more information we have a date i mean we got one very important piece of information which is the start date yeah mm. the week of the 22nd or the 23rd i guess it starts in australia um that'd be yep. good 22nd second. <laughs> sure sure <laughs> um and uh i've seen some people speculating oh will it be a week or is it three days or is it 30 days um i think phil schiller had a statement in the a newsroom article saying that it will be a week filled of exciting whatever cool so either he misspoke or it will be a week considering that apple really likes to keep things as consistent as they can i would be not surprised if it's just uh a week of they already moved it back to by two weeks from the usual schedule. Imagine no. they can't mix too many things no. up. Then cutting it to three days, people will be like, "What company is this?" <laughs> uh. Mm. Uh, no, but I, I think five days it makes. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's exciting. That means that they have probably still have a lot to show for us. But that makes it feel like it's gonna be like they won't just release the sessions in the beginning of the day and then you can no, just stream them. It seems to be more of a schedule. Um, Again, not yeah. surprising. Apple does like to keep things as as consistent as they can. Mm. So I think the downside you... with this is that people in Australia will have an annoying time schedule, right? Yeah. Which seems a bit un unnecessary. But yeah, well, well, I mean, it's not. No one forces Australians no. to watch it live. <laughs> no, but it's no, the same no. as always. If you watch it live, yeah. or if you want to watch the sessions live, you have to get up mm. at weird hours. I'm. <laughs> I mean, could I, still fly to the uh, Pacific uh, PDT time zone and then watch it live uh, <laughs> with when there is daylight. Yeah, sure. I mean, nothing changed. Yeah. Have to quarantine you when know. I get back home in a hotel, and I'd rather yeah. not do that. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. This is not a suggestion. Now. No, my point <laughs> is just, it's the same as always. Yeah. So if you want to watch. I am sad life. that I'm not going. Like, you know, if, mm. if WWDC was going ahead, it would be like three or four weeks until getting on a plane and seeing you and seeing other people, you know, in San, in San Jose. And it's a bit of a shame. But mm. Mm. 
but yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it's great that it will still be like a full spec week. Uh, and I it think- sounds like it will be pretty much WWDC. Uh, I think they announced that it will be a keynote and a State of the Union, and there will be sessions, and there will be labs. Mm, yeah, I'm really curious to see how the labs will work. Um, and I think that's another reason why it makes sense to have it on a regular schedule, because people might even have to book in labs. Yeah, and and again, um, Apple also confirmed that it will be free. So that's, that's interesting, too. Mm, that means... We'll probably have some kind of first-come, first-serve or lottery for individual consultation-type mm-hmm. uh, activities like labs. And, and I don't know if they will do design reviews, you know, the design labs. Yeah, yeah. Which will also be very hard, I, I would assume. Like, usually what we did when we went to design labs is, here's the app, have a look, and then we talk about it. Yeah, and then you which, show them your phone. Yeah, which now might be hard unless you kind of put in your Apple like your your app ID and people download it before they talk about it or something? Yeah, I think it depends. Like if you have an app that's released already, it would be relatively easy. Mm. Um, but I yeah, think many people... Hard, right. Yeah, But pro tip, make if Apple needs to buy it before, make it... <laughs> increase the price of the app to $1,000 <laughs> uh, before you start your lab uh, session. No, I don't know. Probably it would be interesting place. how that works. <laughs> um, do you think it will be like a lottery? To get lab to, spots? To get the lab spots. I mean, I'm always yeah. a fan of first come, first serve for those kind of things, which yeah, is also just, how the real labs are run. Yeah, I feel like, but I mean, they, they want to keep the it the privilege of lining up. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, I think the problem with having it first come, first serve disadvantage people in different time zones. Yeah, but, but it does. But, but anyway. always the particularly busy ones for WWDC have been. Uh, oh, actually, no, the, no, you're right. First come, first serve, even when you book online. Yeah. Oh, no, didn't that change? Yeah. That changed last year? Where you would no like for the podcast studio, we had to apply and yep. we got given a session. I had, did that happen with the design lab or was that still first come first serve? Design lab, you still have to go up in the morning at like seven a.m. and reserve no, a slot. No, you book online. You 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 say yeah, you say yeah, online yeah. whether yeah. or not you want it in the uh, before noon it's or just after. first come first serve right. online rather sure, than first sure. come first first serve in person. Yeah. Okay, so. Apple built the system they need this year, last year. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> no, you know. I think this has been a thing for a couple of years that you book it online. Yeah, yeah it was two years ago. Yeah, I never yeah. had to line up for a design lab. I always booked online. Yeah, Obviously I don't think you c- could line, line up for yeah. it. The only thing you could do is drop-ins in case someone doesn't mm. show up. Yep. Yeah, I think we did a drop-in last year. No, yeah, last year we did a drop-in. The year before that we did book one. Yeah. Okay. Either way... Um, and, it's probably going to be something like that, I would assume. I mean, Apple, again, they already have the system for this to to reserve a slot. And if all the slots are reserved, then there are no more slots to reserve. <laughs> I don't know if they would build an entire like lottery system for, for this. This seems, it just feels weird to have a lottery. And then, mm-hmm. because realistically, they probably still want to. Uh, kind of get the schedule up in the morning when when you can start the booking and then you have a lottery but you're staying up because you're now all over different time zones right it, it kind of makes more sense that you can have a time slot when you can book maybe for the next day even for to allow for people from different time zones you book it if the all slots are gone you get your confirmation wh- which time slot you're getting and, and you can move on and plan around that and if that happens to be 2 a.m in australia then you, you can figure out if you cancel it because it's too late or if, if you're taking it because you you have a very important question to ask. Yeah. I'm not sure what that week's going to look like. I'm hoping to be able to take some time off and sort of shift my schedule to, um, you know, probably wake up about 3 a.m. and 
I think that's about 10 a.m. Pacific. And sort of if there's sessions that they stream or if there's labs or even just like to participate in the like conversation online and, and talk to you mm-hmm. and, you know, mm. have a bit of fun after the keynote, like that kind of thing. I'm hopeful. Yeah, we could still to watch that. sessions together then. Yeah, that's what a- I mean. Like if it's live, uh, if, mm-hmm. if they do stream sessions live instead of, I mean, because I'm, I'm half expecting them to just drop them. Even if it's like a daily drop of sessions, like just drop 10 sessions in the morning uh, and then we can watch them at our own time. But like if they want to keep the fun going of having live sessions then I'm <laughs> on board with that too, and, like that would be mm. fun um, to just spend half a day watching sessions and the other half of a day playing with code. And like, honestly, I'm not sure if I'll have lab questions at this point. Um, maybe I will, depending on what's announced. But yeah, it could just be a lot of fun to sort of hang out online for a week. And I mean, it's not that much different from isolation, but uh, it is what it is. Like, I would shift my schedule and we could all sort mm-hmm. of have, uh, you know, have conversation, have fun. So, mm. yeah, we'll see. But otherwise, I'll just have to do that before work and then go off to work at like nine. <laughs> it still gives like a good six hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite happy that it is mostly still a normal WWDC from, from the sound of what, from the limited things we've heard so far. At least, at least a, a, the, the building blocks are, mm. are the normal building blocks. There's at least an absence of change. Right. A what? An absence of change. Like there's nothing say indicating that it will be different. E- e- yeah. They haven't said anything. I mean, apart from anything. the physical part. <laughs> yeah. For yeah, obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah, we knew about that one. Yeah. So it's I'm I'm excited that there are labs at all, even if they might be not as great as in in person labs. It's still nice to have a place mm-hmm. where you can ask a question if if you're lucky through whatever system they deploy to get a spot. And I think. Will be will be fun week either way, mm. and realistically, we'll we'll figure it out. I mean, not being at WWDC and watching sessions online was still a fun week to have had, you know. And if if it's just like that, it will be it will be good. And Swift UI improvements, please. <laughs> so I think I heard a few people in different podcasts speculating whether or not this will be the new format forever. Um, like let's say that things go back to normal, and we could technically have a in like in person WWDC in uh, 2021. Do you think? Do you guys think Apple would continue hosting them online if this goes well, or do you think they will go back to having an in person format? In person, I think so too. Yeah, right. Like I feel like it's it's something different to be there, and I think it's definitely a different type of experience that you you do have. Like it's great that they try to make it work online, but I think there are certain things that you will be missing if you don't meet people. I think it's a lot about that personal, like in between communication that's not happening during the lab or during the sessions that I think is hard to simulate. Yeah, I wanted. And we've said before that you know probably more than half of the benefit and the fun of WWDC mm. is being able to catch up with people that you can only catch up with once a year. And and it's the discussions that you happen to have in the hallways between sessions. And then you realize you skipped a session, but the discussion you're having is way better than the session would have been. So it's really cool. And like just that vibe of being in San Jose and, you know, going into any restaurant at night or cafe or whatever it is and seeing the crowd, the WWDC crowd, and everyone's buzzing and everyone's excited. Like that's really hard to replicate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mm. will definitely miss that if it never happens again. And, I, and it's yeah, super yeah. valuable for all parties, right? It's super valuable for Apple to have excited developers because they make great things for their platform. Yeah. You know, that's for Apple, that is super, super valuable because they don't make all the apps on the App Store, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And for, for developers, it's great too because a lot of us make our money uh, 
with making things for Apple's platform and being excited about it and having fun around that, who who wouldn't want that? Mm -hmm. And realistically, if Apple would have wanted an online WWDC, they would have made an online WWDC. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think being forced into it is something that where Apple's like, all right, now we just do that forever. Unless it's way more amazing than any, you know, after that, if everyone's like, whoa, this was for some reason the most amazing thing ever. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean nothing can change. But I don't think at this point, At this point, Apple is not expecting to to ever have a physical WWDC again mm. because it's crazy. It's it's also realistically of all the companies in the world, Apple's one that is incredibly focused on people coming together. Yeah. Like you know, it's in, if you want to work at Apple for for I mean they're loosening up a little bit on that. Yeah, but in a large sense, if you want to work on one of the core teams, you do work from Cupertino. So Apple's mm -hmm. also a company that is particularly focused on on people being physically together. Yeah, mm -hmm. but um, but all that said, like they have been sort of fine tuning that remote WWDC experience for five years now. With since they started live streaming sessions, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you can have a pretty good week um, from home live streaming sessions. And obviously, it's not the same, and it's never going to make up for being in San Jose, but it's not mm -hmm. like they've said, oh, you have to be here or bust. Like, you can still participate mm -hmm. in the week and get all of the education um, from the from the sessions, at least, uh, as you would if you were there. And then if you have a paying developer account, you can use your developer technical support tickets to get sort of that, that in-depth feedback mm -hmm. that you would otherwise get in the labs. And obviously, it's a bit limiting. It's not the same, and you can't replace that in-personness. But it's like the sessions, at least, are almost all the same so yeah. uh, in terms of what you get out of the experience yeah but i think as soon as as we can have a normal dub dub dc again everyone everyone will be excited to no one will people that don't want to go to dub dub dc they will not lose anything because they can still have access to everything online as we probably have this year apart from labs most likely but i mean that is also maybe there will be a hybrid where some lab slots will be available for for online con yeah uh, you know yeah. that's something i can imagine as well because certain people mo might not be in the position where they can travel it's quite expensive to do that and people have family obligations as well so i think if this could be another way of attending and actually getting a little bit more of a lab experience that could be a good option but overall i, I i'm fairly confident that i was excited to bring that back and all the auxiliary uh, events that happen as part of WWDC, right it's not just WWDC in San Jose, it's like you have Alconf and you have Layers and you have Nextdoor and whatever else is going on. You have all the events from like the companies and it's mm. just, it's hard to replicate something that is such a good place to meet people and feel like have interesting discussions and meet new people that you haven't met before, uh, yeah. meet people that, that, you don't meet all the time yeah. it's it's yeah. it's hard to replicate that and sure we have that in theory online but there's a reason we're still excited about going there instead of just talking on facetime mm -hmm. should we get into our picks for the week all right sure all right marlin do you want to start i had one in mind but then oh yes yes i have one um has any let's see if anyone picked it uh my thing this week is a VR game called uh, Pistol Whip. This is a VR game, um, which is for... I've been playing it on the Oculus Quest. Uh, it's sort of like a workout game, but it's fun. <laughs> Man, you sound annoyed about the game somehow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not annoyed. I'm just always struggling explaining it. Like uh, I think people really have to experience VR to understand how fun it is. Um, I... 
would describe this as a workout game, but it's also sort of like a rhythmic game. And I think if you are a person who like uh, Beat Saber, which I think I picked as an option, uh, as I picked before, uh, you would like Pistol Whip. So the basic premise, if you will, um, is that you will, you, you're sort of like in this world, you're being carried forward and there's music playing and you have to, you have enemies coming up to you and you have to eliminate them. So you have some type of gun um, and they are coming towards you and shooting you. So you have to basically like, follow the rhythm to eliminate those enemies um it's and that's where the rhythm comes in uh, you have different difficulty levels so i feel like if you play this on like medium or hard uh, difficult level um you get a lot more into rhythm because like there are more enemies coming out so it actually like they come out on the beat and you have to make sure that you eliminate them and some of the levels also have that you have to like punch people running towards you this sounds like a really brutal <laughs> game but it's really not it's like usually there's like pink worlds or like green worlds and like it's 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 very not violent it's like it's sort of like crystallized figures uh, so it's it's not it's not like a like a violent game uh, i just want to be clear about that but it's it's really fun and i wouldn't play a game that's like scary on vr uh we, we looked at some game trailers the other day for like horror games that weren't even in vr but like i can't play those type of games so that's why i like this game it's like very unrealistic very colorful uh very rhythmic and very focused on you just like keeping that rhythm and um yeah, I guess sort of exercising unintentionally. Like, I think you will be quite, if you're a person who doesn't really like exercising, this sort of tricks you into exercising. I think, I think it's, it's, it's pretty good that way. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great when you're staying at home a lot. And, um, I think it's just good that you can sort of switch out your environment. <laughs> it sounds pretty sad. Uh, but I think it's, it's quite good to be able to like do some other type of exercise in the limited space you have. And this is definitely something that is very different from just like doing push-ups or like other body weight, uh, exercises. So. I really recommend it. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, you usually have something to add, Kai, to all my picks. I was sitting here waiting for you to say something. Yeah. The, th- the thing is this week, I feel like you kind of... Uh, Got inspired by your pick? Yeah, slightly. Yeah, a little bit. So I, I was wondering, maybe I just jump right into mine then. And then sure. that can finish it off with a slightly different type of pick. Hmm. Because my pick is a VR game. Woohoo! Uh, for the Oculus Quest, but also available for other VR headsets. And it's a game that kind of tricks you into uh, doing a workout, even if you might not really <laughs> like workouts. <laughs> wow, they should really... Uh, more games should pitch themselves that way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my my workout trick game uh, is 2MD, which stands for 2-Minute Drill, VR Football, which is a, a game where you are a you're playing American football, you're a quarterback, and it's all stick figures, and you're trying to uh, come back from in two minutes. That's where the two-minute drill comes in. So you're two minutes uh, left in the game, you're down by one or two touchdowns, and you have to catch up. And you just set the plays. You can you have like a whiteboard. It's not like a tech interview whiteboard. It's a whiteboard where you draw uh, lines of where your where your player should run, and then then you jump into a game and you you uh, throw them to your players, and and hopefully they catch it and and run, and then you score. And it's it's, it's super fun. It's graphics are super bare, like super bare bone graphics. But it's, it's fine. It's a bit like a football type of graphic game like it looks like fo- uh, like the football table like those mm. type of stick figures they yeah. don't really have any arms they just have like helmets and legs mm. and i mean realistically 
you you would think in VR that that bothers you more because it should be immersive, but for some reason you're like, all right, this is the world now. Everyone <laughs> is a stick figure. That's fine. And it it you just go through normal motions that you would when you're throwing a football. So you you throw over your head and you're you're kind of moving your body around. You might even step like to your left, to your right, or back if mm -hmm. someone is trying to tackle you. You can use your non-throwing hand to dodge, like to to push an enemy away, or like. I guess someone from the opposing team rather than an enemy. Um, and then you throw and it's, it's, it's great because realistically we're all, uh, indoors a lot at the moment. Um, playing contact sports with people at the moment. It's not a great idea and fairly limited access to that anyways. Mm. So being able to replicate some of that feeling in VR, I'm, I'm a big fan of and it, it really. I don't know what it is about it. It's super simple. There's not a lot to the game. I, it's like you're just in a series of like I think it's seven matches or so. If you if you win all of them and then you get, you're the champion, there's there's not. You would think this game is not something you would want to play over and over, but I really enjoy it and I try to play maybe like 15 minutes or so a day to just get myself moving. Well, after sitting sitting <laughs> in front of my computer all day. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So buy a VR headset and play some games. Pretty sure they're sold out right now. I could even imagine, Zach, that you, that would be one way of getting you to play video games because it's it's like a workout. It's it's like being outside in a fantasy world or in a real world, whatever game you're playing, and you actually like it. Actually, feels like a workout. It's actually exhausting. You actually have to take a shower after because you're potentially uh, drenched in sweat. It's 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 just a more absurd way of working out but it's it it's a lot of fun quite interesting yeah maybe I'll, um i mean i'd say i could give it a go next time i visit you but that might be a few years so yeah <laughs> we'll see we'll see um but I, yeah. i think next week we'll also potentially talk about apple's vr ar rumors so i think at the latest point when apple releases their vr headset i think then you'll give it a shot that will probably be the the latest possible point for you to to try that out <laughs> Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, and you can somehow are you can ask how much RAM do I need in my uh, VR headset, and then people will tell you for future proofing buy older RAM. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Probably pay through the roof for it. Won't even know if I like it. All so. right, what's your pick? Uh, my pick is Rocket, and Rocket is a Mac app because yay Mac apps. Um, I am genuinely surprised that has not crossed my mind to pick this before and I, th I think one of the reasons that this hasn't uh come to my mind to pick as a as a handy mac app that i use constantly is because it just feels like it should be part of mac os but rocket is a convenient way of typing uh, it's a menu bar app that it lives in a menu bar it's a convenient way of picking emoji on your mac so if you've ever used slack uh, you can do the colon and then start typing uh, a word and it will search for an emoji uh that's this wait this is that but for any app so Uh, any it works in any text field. You can disable it for certain apps if they have their own emoji, like, for example, Slack. Um, but it, it just sort of brings that super quick way of searching for emoji to anywhere across macOS. I use it all the time in messages. Sometimes I get a little ahead of myself and sort of go to send the message before the emoji is fully loaded and I send like a half a half a like colon and then J-O for joy or something like that. Um, but no, it's, it's a super cool app um, and it's just sort of, changed how i send emoji on the mac and i realized this week that if you have the pro version which i do 
um, you can also save GIFs to it and you can send GIFs um, using that. So it's pretty cool. Um, I think the pro version was about $5 when I bought it. I'm not sure if that's changed. It's made in Sydney, so that's pretty cool. Um, always got to shout out the local apps. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a super cool app. I've used it on my Mac for years now. And um, yeah, it's just a, just a really cool way of picking emoji. If you're somebody who likes to send messages with emoji, as I often do. Maybe your new computer will be fast enough that it will actually, <laughs> actually replace the, the words with the emoji before you send a message. <laughs> Don't get ahead of The new computer has a touch bar for picking emoji. Oh. <laughs> I am excited about that. <laughs> it's useless because you have to scroll a lot, but I'm going to like pick all my emoji from that list to start with. Can you can you fix emojis on that thing? Like, Can you say, I only want to see those? I don't think so. Uh, maybe I think you have it just does recents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, if you get in the habit of using um, the same emoji all the time, they should be in a similar order. We should yeah, really, should be good. Yeah. Good pick. I, I like Rocket too. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good name. Mm. Space-themed app I agree. Names. I, I approve. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Now, now, I also feel like I sh- we should add um, touch bar support to Orbit. Yeah, That'd I would be like nice. that as well. Uh, please, 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 please. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably we'll probably please. get there. I would like something like a 0.0. quick start. So I noticed, I noticed you've got some logic for starting or stopping uh, the most recent or the now playing timer in the menu bar. Mm-hmm. So you could uh-huh. probably share that logic yeah, to the touch bar for a quick yeah. action. Yeah. 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 Um, I noticed that, and I, I quite like that. I'm, I'm using the menu bar more and more now. Mm. Uh, it's one of the it's one of the few menu bar apps. It's actually one of only two third party menu bar apps that I don't hide behind. Yeah, bartender, look at that uh, because it's quite handy. Mm. And so uh, I'm noticing that and using it more and more. But on the touch bar, it would be equally handy because um, I often have it open on a second window. Um, and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just worried about the touch bar. You, you still need the app to have focus. Yes, it needs to be in the foreground. Yeah. That's right. So it's yeah. it's like I, I feel like when you're already that far. Considering that we would, what we would mostly expose is starting and stopping, which we already have, like command R for resume and command full stop for or period, depending on which which type of English flavor you prefer. Um, you already have those, but I guess people that like to touch mm-hmm. bar like to not remember arbitrary shortcuts and rather want to touch the resume the timer button. Yeah, there are certain certain uh, keyboard shortcuts which I use the touch bar for instead and quite like, and then there are other apps which i use the keyboard shortcuts for so i think it's nice to have both Mm. options because some people have different preferences my um the the good example i have of this is that if i stop the timer in orbit like the app's Mm -hmm. open and i go to lunch and then i come back i unlock my computer by touching the um, touch id Mm -hmm. my finger is already right near the touch Mm -hmm. bar so it would be convenient to just be able to say resume and then go off and do my work. Uh, I know it's like a small convenience thing, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal to have to do a keyboard shortcut, mm-hmm. but it's just a nice little yeah. uh, touch. And if it was like an hour of work, then I'd suggest going for it. Yeah, I think it's probably less than that because SwiftUI has, again, I haven't used it yet, but it appears to be pretty well, um, it, it seems to support the touch bar fairly well. Um without having to bridge to AppKit. So I'll, I'll at least give it a shot. And it's not, it won't be that much effort because no new logic, it's just exposing it on the touch bar. And it's just a fun thing to to have done anyways. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a t- tentative uh, launch date now, penciled in. Ooh. It's, I said both tentative, tentative and penciled. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and what is that, if you're willing to share? Yeah. 
Malin, <laughs> I can't find already? it on the calendar. Why is my calendar so full? I have nothing to do. <laughs> uh, we have. Wow. Uh, we're planning on releasing on October. October. No, October. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. I just read Orbit and I thought October. <laughs> what are you <laughs> launching with two point? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're planning on releasing May twenty fifth. So on a Monday. Oh, Woo-hoo! there it is. Yep, found it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will definitely have a new computer by then. <laughs> so I can run it on, if you want testing on shiny new computer. Not that I'm sure anything would break, but you know, if you just want someone to run it on a 13 inch Mac yeah, Pro. Yeah, you can try it on your silly touch bar. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, exactly. Mm. And, and you know what? We will not even use that much of your new RAM. So you have it all for all those electron apps. Wait, I thought you were no. disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think, I think you would be really, it will be hard for you to get us to use more than 40 megs of RAM. I've not, even if I nice. run it all the time and go through like the more, I guess, more demanding flows like dashboards and retrieving a lot of data, I, I could not make it go past 40. And then obviously, as soon as you leave the dashboard, uh, as far as I know, no memory aches in the dashboard. So if you leave it, it goes back down to like 30 something. Mm-mm. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm excited. So finally finishing up in the purchase UI. Um, oh, fun, fun, <laughs> fun, fun! There are just lots of places to present it at. Like every time you can do some yeah. type of uh, creation action, I want to present it. Uh, but yeah, pretty much done now. Um, so that's good. Just yeah, hoping to, f- to get that out either tomorrow or on Monday in a in a beta. Um, testing in the purchases with testers like sending a build that has in a purchase to testers is a bit tricky though on mac os on mac os yeah on mac yeah because yeah, there's no test flight i guess what do you have to provide a sandbox account yeah then? yeah yeah which, which is it's still problematic because um subscriptions are only val so the, the length of a subscription is shortened when you run it in sandbox so a one yeah, day i run into a few test flight apps like that yeah and yeah. they they do and they not also... renew more than five times yeah so it's Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So yeah, if you have an auto renewing in so the sandbox, it will even if you make it a year, that means it's running for an hour. Yeah. So the maximum mm-hmm. duration before you have to repurchase it is five five hours. Yeah. Which and is then not right. once you repurchase oh, okay. it, it's only going to be valid an hour at a time mm. until sometimes okay. the next day it comes back. And you also don't really want to tell your beta testers to. You know, to use this random sandbox yeah. account, log out of the App Store account in order to then log into, yeah. you know. It's a bit of a hassle to use it. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of just having a separate code path for uh, test users to so apply. We, we essentially have like three nice, buttons. Yeah. That, for production, we have two buttons, which is like monthly, yearly. And for the beta users, there's monthly, yearly, and give me everything. Mm. I'm, I'm testing, give me everything. Yeah, and fair that enough. just unlocks it with an expiry date that's mm-hmm. far enough in the future. So we don't have to. Cool. Run through that, but it's a bit a bit awkward. I hope that might yeah. at some point Apple will address that. I hope for macOS or macOS goes away. One of those yeah, two we'll things see. will we'll happen see. at some point uh, <laughs> in the next ten years. Yeah, I yeah. hope it's adding some kind of test flight ish support to macOS. That would be amazing. Yeah, but it's truly. been so long. Test flight's been a thing for a very mm. long time. Mm. It's just so many things you don't need it for, right? Because all the things, if you just have a normal app that you're selling for for money. It's easy enough to deploy it any other way that there's no real need for Apple's test flight system. It's, I definitely see why it was more necessary on iOS than on macOS, right? Yeah, yeah. But now when more and more things move towards subscriptions, mm-hmm. and especially if Apple wants to encourage people to use those subscriptions over running your own, 
they're making it easy to test those probably would uh, make it easier for people to then rely on it because at the moment it's like if if we would run our own subscription it would be super trivial to implement it for testers running apples makes it almost impossible which is probably not in the best interest for anyone so maybe maybe some one one time one one time one, one time Sometime. one year one year one, one day one day that's the one <laughs> <laughs> got my time got my, uh, time intervals confused there <laughs> yeah no that would be great um but yeah until then we gotta figure our own things out mm. so. i feel like i'm i have like a super fast expanding um wish list in my head now every like even if i just look at my radars like some of them were semi rejected or misunderstood and they were bu- <laughs> like bumped back to me for for my information oh. but there are also some that i raised earlier that have not been addressed yet so i wonder i my my wishful thinking is that that's because they've already been fixed in the uh, macros 10.16 builds but they don't want to market as fixed until until we actually see those builds <laughs> But okay. I guess extremely wishful thinking. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll see. Oh. Either way, will be fun. Will be fun uh, conference. I think. Mm. Very much looking forward to it. And I do hope we get at least one Swift UI lab slot you between will. Mom yeah. and me. Yeah. Maybe we should do what we used to do for like new per- device purchases, where it's like we have this kind of pact where we all try to get one extra one for for the other person mm. in case they're not getting something in time. So if Zach tries to get a Swift UI slot, and then we just show up, just three of us. <laughs> yeah, you're Zach. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, we we all work together. Yeah, <laughs> we know each other. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. What we what do we do for um, our? I I guess we won't use the podcast booth, at least not Apple's. So <laughs> I don't I think we will use anyone's. Out of the question. <laughs> are you, are you, do you have a secret podcast booth? I don't no, know. No, so I guess we got to do that from home. But it also oh. means yeah. We can kind of plan our prediction episode. We probably done have our prediction episode, considering that the event is June twenty no. second. So our hundredth episode will be in three weeks, right? What is that? That's so the thirtieth. So it's the week after we released Orbit, or the week we are planning on releasing Orbit. Okay, that that that, that kind of fits. And then maybe the week after that, so episode one hundred one can be our prediction episode for the because I I want to give it enough time that we don't already know all the answers, right? So it would probably be good if yeah. we're kind of... Yeah, like before the last-minute German reports. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe kind of roughly aim for a Monday, the 8th of June, as our prediction episode. Then we can talk on the 15th about how wrong we are already mm, about yep. our predictions and how unlikely it is for, from, for Zach to win. And then <laughs> on the 22nd, uh, we can crown me champion again. Why Zach... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll record. We'll do an episode after the keynote, yeah. uh, assuming I get the week off. But we should be fine. <laughs> mm. This will be fun. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like, look, I pay for my own training. I sit at home. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. Uh, mm. Cool. Cool. Right. All right. We should get going. This. Also, found the stupid pack truck bug finally in a crawler, and I thought it was Australia Post. The Oz Post thing. I thought it was yeah. Australia Post. It's actually two of them. It's uh, DHL mm. Express and Australia Post that do the same weird thing um, where they sometimes return a, a weird header that kind of screws off my curl, uh, crawl. So I think I found that now and it seems to 
I also I this I shouldn't fully just blame them. I also noticed that I forgot to add a timeout to those curl requests. So the DHL API and the Australia Post API in under certain circumstances just never respond and my t- my my curl my curl request just sits there and waits and waits forever. Um which is not great. So I added timeouts and also fixed the issue or had a, added a workaround for the issue they have. So I'll deploy this now and hopefully that fixes everything. Everything. Woohoo. Cool. I'm excited for the notifications to start rolling in for this Mac. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you Man, the excitement just hit me this morning. Like I haven't even thought, like it's just been a busy week and a busy weekend so far, but like, yeah, now, now that I've started talking about it, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to this. Um, it's going to be good. Hmm. All right. Cool. All right, we should go back. I will get back and finish up my in-app purchases now. 